Thank you so much for that to remind us of the great love of our God, our Savior, the Father for us. Thanks for all the music tonight. Well, this evening we're going to continue a bit of, from this morning, of giving thanks. And it's from 1 Thessalonians 18. Now, you want to put your finger there because we're going to go to Acts here in just a moment. Um, but uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and uh, we will see what God has for us. In fact, we're going to pray and ask His blessing on our time together to help us understand, and then we'll jump right into it. So if you found 1 Thessalonians 5.18, let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, by Your mercy, by Your grace, Lord, we come to You. We need Your help. We need the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts to unfold the Word. And Father, may we be... Um, obedient to what you have for us today. May we receive encouragement from you. Father, you are the God of all comfort, the God of all encouragement. And so, Father, may we, may we glorify you in Christ's name I pray. Amen. First Thessalonians 5.18 is a very short verse. And when you have a very short verse, you think that should be easy to... Uh, to obey, right? It should be. It says here, um, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But it's hard to be thankful for everything. It's a difficult uh, daily life, day in, day out. The grind, as we call it, will wear you out. It will wear me out. And it can wear you down. And so that you begin to see things through not the light of God's eyes and what he has, but in just through fatigue often. And have you ever noticed that despite your intellect and your knowledge and your understanding of Scripture, that you think you have grasped it, but you start to doubt God's will for your life? Am I in the right spot? Am I doing the right thing? Well, this verse comes at a very particular time in the life of Paul. And for that time, I'm going to put a piece of paper in my Bible. I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts 17, because we're going to get a little background uh, of what's going on in Paul's life, how, where he has been with the, the uh, city of Thessalonica, and uh, what's all going on. So 17, um, we're going to start there, because... And, um, well, you recall, we talked about this. Paul receives what we call the Macedonian vision. And he's, there's someone who dressed like, like a Macedonian and says, come over to us. And so he comes. And then we, we had what we studied not too long ago, this little time in Philippi. Uh, and it wasn't a great time. In fact, Paul leaves Philippi and enters this, this city of Thessalonica, still with the, the, the bruises, the welts on his back from being beaten. Still, maybe just freshly washed the dust of the earthquake from the jail, uh, Philippi, and still thinking in his mind what God had done to release them, and then the opportunity he had to see not only the jailer, but the family and others, Deborah, and all those in that area that come to know Christ. So here we have this passage. He leaves, verse 40 of Acts 16. They went out of the prison, entered the house of Lydia. And then they saw the brethren, they encouraged them, and departed. Now when they had traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to 
Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them for three, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, this Jesus whom I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. And when he says the Christ, it's Messiah, it's the Anointed. Well, some of them, verse 4, some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar, attacking the house of Jason. They were seeking to bring out them out to the people. And when they did not find them, Paul uh, and Silas, they began dragging Jason and some of the brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here also. And Jason has welcomed them, and they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And they stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things. When they had received a pledge from Jason and others, they released them. And then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. Now these, the Bereans, were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. But they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of the prominent Greeks and women. But when the Jews of Thessalonica found out that the word of a God had been proclaimed by Paul and Berea also, they came there as well, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul out to go as far as the sea, and Silas and Timothy remained there. Now those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they left. And we'll pause there in the story. So, um, you know, if it were us, we would think, we can't catch a break. So we come through Philippi. Yes, people were saved. And then we go to Thessalonica, and then they stir up trouble. We go to Berea, and the people from the previous city of Thessalonica, they come and they stir up trouble in Berea. And this is what Paul is. He didn't spend a lot of time in Thessalonica. And you see, you kind of get the idea here that both in Berea and in Thessalonica, Timothy was a great help to that that body. In fact, Paul later sends Timothy to Thessalonica because he wants to hear how they're doing, what's going on. It was such a brief trip. Things did not go so well, run out of town. So how are things? And so he writes his epistle, his letters uh, to them, and he, he wants to communicate great things to them. So let's flip back to First uh, Thessalonians 5. And so he wraps up this passage here with this in mind, this background in mind. We'll pick up our reading in verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're also doing. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give them instruction. So you can start to see he's, he's, he's listing a, a, some things he wants them to do because he's, he's really establishing more order there in the, in the body of the church there. Um, 13, and that you esteem them highly in love because of their work, live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always with, uh, seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. And then he enters into a list of imperatives, very short verses, but commands. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. 
In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but carefully examine everything. Uh, hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He who calls you, and He also will bring it to pass. We'll pause there. Stop our reading there. So we, we've seen this. This is what Paul's background is, what's going on. And so as he travels, and he, i catch up on my slides here. As uh, we come from Asia, he hears from Troas, goes across, zoom in a bit, and uh, we'll see Thessalonica. So he passes all through that. And then he sends, he's on to Berea, and then Athens, he's down. And so here as, press the button, there we go. Aha, uh-huh, there we go. Action. Uh, I forgot to say action for the camera. Uh, and so here he is in this area, and this is what we think of a lot of, um, of Greece, a very interesting area. I won't go into all the detail of the city, but a very interesting area, an area that um, was, again, as many of the, the, the churches that he visited or founded here um, were uh, crossroads of culture, interesting uh, foreign uh, pagan religions, uh, sometimes these are, are uh, cities that you'd say, how would the gospel flourish there? But they do. And in the midst of this, in these series of statements, he gives us one, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything give thanks. Three main points tonight. If you want to take notes or just signpost them here of what's going to happen. Three main points for us to understand about giving thanks. Number one, give thanks that you are in Christ. Give thanks that you are in Christ. Loaned us in the end of, of verse 18, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And many of the commentators will look at this talking about the location. That you are in Christ Jesus. You are in Him. And so he emphasizes this union with Christ. This union that the Christ is the impetus or the, the, it is the force behind our thankfulness. Because we are in Christ, because we have union with Him, we can be thankful. We're going to stop to think about that in a daily life. We think about it Sundays, some. We think about it Easter, Christmas. But you are in Christ. The work that God has done has placed you in Christ. And Christ in you, the hope of glory. An interesting thing that God does in the language of the New Testament. That God is in us, Christ is in us, and we are in Christ positionally now as His children. So we give thanks that we are in Christ. Second Corinthians one twenty one. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God. Second Corinthians two fourteen. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. Being in Christ changes us. Therefore, if any man, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. There's been a change because we are in Christ, because of salvation. And so giving thanks 
on a daily basis that we are in Christ. We are Christ's. He is ours. And that is something that makes us, or should make us want to shout. Okay? Sometimes the Baptists don't shout enough. Um, yeah? You know, we're, not, we're not quite, you know, as staid and solid as some denominations. We won't mention them at all. But sometimes we get pretty sour, don't we? A little bit. And the joy of the Lord, it says, give thanks. You are in Christ. What a wonderful God that we have. What a wonderful salvation through the blood of Christ. But secondly, whoops, I am really messing up on these slides here. You got this? Okay, this is the internal points. On location in Christ, your union in Christ is the impetus for thanksgiving. All right, there you go. Number two, give thanks that God has revealed his will to you. We're thankful that we are in Christ, but notice here that he has revealed part of his will for you here. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that part of God's will for you is that you are thankful? Well, no, 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 God, I want that part where it says, you know, go to step A, step B, step here, win a million dollars, or whatever it is. I want that part that says, you know, tell me where to go. Where's my ministry? That, where's that part? I want that part. And God says, part of my will for you is for you to be thankful, to give thanks. It's an incredible to know that God has a will for our lives, and we, we realize that, we understand that, that God has a will for our lives, but part of this will, will that He has revealed from, to us from Scripture is that we are thankful. We are to live a life of gratitude. Sometimes we, are, we trip along uh, over this part of gratitude. We want, we want the big stuff. We want the big things that we can accomplish. When God says, I've given you, I've given you my will through, your work, through my word, and the things that I've revealed to you that are very clear, do those. And as you're doing those that are clear, I'll show you the rest of it. I don't know about you, but it gives me great joy to know that God has a will for me, has a will for you. And part of that revealed will is, yes, be thankful. Also be holy as I am holy. Go make disciples. That's his will for all of us. There's many more things through the pages of Scripture that we know that is God's will for us. His desire for us is to be, and you can list them. And here it is, be thankful. Be thankful. Don't sweat the next step. Don't sweat the next step. Sometimes we... We chafe against God because we, we, de- we desire rightly to know exactly where he wants us and what we are to do. And we find the will of God as we do the right next thing. And here it is. Be thankful. Be thankful. Give thanks. But the, little, the third aspect of this is not so easy, easy. Give thanks that every circumstance gives you the opportunity to bring bring praise to God, because he says, in everything, give thanks. He's already said rejoice always. He's already said pray without ceasing. But in everything, give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, and 
uh, you may have translated circumstances. It's really all. Let me say all things. It's not a very complicated Greek word. It's not one of those you have to kind of go and parse and figure out. It's give thanks for all, for all things. The good events, those are easy to give thanks for. How about the bad ones, things we don't like? Can we thank God for those? You know, we don't think God, thank God for the evil in those things. We're not thanking God for, I'm th- thank you God for that evil. That was a wonderful evil. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, thank God, because you're in that circumstance. And if you put the train together of logic, you're in that circumstance. And as you are God's child, he loves you and cares for you. And as you are thankful to him for how he is preserving you in that circumstance, you can give praise. Praise to God. Every circumstance. And this comes in the matter of understanding that God is sovereign. How do we understand the sovereignty of God? How do we respond to the events of our lives, the things that come? The Stoics would say of this time, um, they would say uh, something like a, Remember the song, Que Sera, Sera, um, before many of your time. Um, but it was a fatalism. Whatever will be, will be. It was a fatalism that says, okay, that, it came, it went, it's done, and I'm just a puppet of fate. Kind of the idea. And that's not scriptural understanding of the sovereignty of God. Well, God will do what he will, and I just, I can't do, you know, I just kind of float along, and I'm in the current, and that's all. That's not the understanding of God's sovereignty. The response to, to, of the believer is of faith in God's sovereignty and his command and his control over the nations and his control over our lives. It's faith and his gratitude. His gratifi- gratitude that the loving God cares for us and is watching over us. Even when we endure hardships and trials, God is there. How desperate a situation would we be in if, when we endured those trials, those hardships, and God was not there? Faith says that we don't often see the road ahead, but we can still rest in the good hand of God. See, faith and thanksgiving go hand in hand, they really do. It is the, the trusting in God. This is this situation. He has me and he's allowed this to happen. Now we understand the evil in the world. God is not the, the, the one who ordained evil. And sin is in the world. And we suffer the effects of sin. Our, our physical bodies suffer the effects of sin. We know that. And we've seen that in the lives of loved ones. We understand that. And then our spiritual condition of the world around us, the spiritual condition of the world around us, is because of sin. The sin that is in the hearts of people often affects us. So how do we handle that? We thank our God that He indeed is strong. When the mother and father forsake us, yet God will take us up. 
The unbelief says, God doesn't love me as his child. The unbelief says, and, and unbelief leads to discontentment. I understand. And Satan desires that we get discouraged. Yeah, that's his, one of his favorite weapons. I can discourage a believer. They'll sit down on the sidelines. And so this isn't so much as um, having a stiff upper lip and, and being strong and, and not letting it overcome me as much as a willing submission to the God of all creation. It says, Lord, I am in your hands. I thank you that every circumstance you have seen, you have allowed this to happen to me. How may I then glorify you in this circumstance? That is a trust in God that for some of us have experienced, but many have not. Some of you in this room are experiencing that with situations in, in your life, whether it be health or otherwise, that you can only do so much physically, spiritually, and you rest in God. You can't control the situation. You rest in God. See, faith has hope. Hope praises God. And through that response of faith is this thankfulness. You know, we can hope in God's deliverance from the trials and we can see realized God's grace in the trials. In Philippians, Paul writes, no, no, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. And so when you put it in the context of what's going on in those cities, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, on and on, When you put it in the context, you see Paul is being persecuted. He has been beaten, left for dead at at times. Um, And he says, these circumstances, these things that are happening to me are for the greater cause of the gospel. The gospel is going forward in my weakness, in my my beatings, in my, the unpleasantness of life. It's worked out the greater progress of the gospel. And so we could say, I praise my God that he put me in the ministry. I praise my God that, he is, that I'm his bondservant. And he could give thanks in everything. But it's easier said than done sometimes, isn't it? But it is the will of God for us, for the believer. It's interesting, I was talking with someone just this weekend um, and the different occurrences of this individual's life and the conversation was different from last year. Um, the conversation was one of a realization of how God had worked in their lives because last year it was hopelessness a bit, frustration, you ever been there? Yeah. Um, it was all these things. And there was a marked change in the heart and the life as they responded. And, um, and an and admission, as we were talking of last year, 
not handling things and trusting God in situations. Not being thankful for where this person was. And this year, on this side of things, having seen God be faithful through this time, it was a time of acknowledgement and thankfulness. Now, it may not be a year that turns around for you or me. Uh, <laughs> I won't go through the progression of, of just the seemingly insignificant things of, of jobs for me. Right? But there were times like, Lord, I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> you know? Get a job you finally like, and it's going well, and they close the, the plant, the company down. It's like, oh, it was a good one. <laughs> it was finally a good one. And that's a very insignificant thing because, in, fortunately, in our, in our city, we can find jobs. It may not be the best job, but we can find jobs. Not like some cities, some places of the world. But you may be there tonight in, in the... Um, in the time, it may not be job, it may be health, it may be relationships, it may be several different things. And God says, would you be thankful where you are? In everything, give thanks. In pain, in sorrow, in joy. It's easier in joy. In everything. For this is the will of God concerning you. And so we rejoice. Yes, we'll listen to the previous verse, pray without ceasing, because that may be where we are right now, just praying. But we can be thankful. And that, again, is where we as believers grow. We grow in thanksgiving. I want to challenge you. Um, Interesting because Thanksgiving is a, an odd time. Sometimes we go to family situations that are great, and some of us go to family situations that are not so great. There's a lot of things that come through this time. It's, it's, a, it's a weird time. You don't work your five days. You know, Five days are good. Keeps us in a, in a regiment. Take some time this week and just write down who God is how you've seen him work in the last month, the last year, last five or ten. Boy, how thankful we will be. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for, for your mercy to us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for our salvation. Oh God, we are, we are in awe that you would love us so much. You love us so much that you would send your son to die upon the cross. And so, God, may we be thankful to you for that. But may we know also that you have a will for us, and part of that will is to be thankful that you are building us, you are growing us through the situations of life. Some of these situations are directly intended for growth. Some are to magnify yourself and the lives of others that through our response that we'll see the beauty of Jesus. And some of the things we experience are just because of sin, 
is rampant in our world. And we feel the effects of that on the lives of others and ourselves. And so we are thankful that we have forgiveness. We're thankful that we have one in whom we can rest and trust. So this week, may we be thankful in everything. Every circumstance, every situation you have brought us to, that you might be glorified. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.